Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're listening to Miller Thomas, the always wonderful host of this podcast. I'm graduating soon, but I don't know if I'll be walking, but I still need a job once this pandemic is over. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, we got another crossover edition of the Locked On Diamondbacks. We got Javi on the line today, host of the Locked On Padres podcast. So this whole episode, this whole episode is going to be the talk between me and Javi. It's mostly centered around uh, the Padres and basically how he thinks they're going to fare in the 2020 season. And that's going to be the whole pod for today. It's Talk To Me Tuesdays usually. So just assume uh, Javi is the Talk To Me Tuesday uh, Talk to me Tuesday guest. And then we're not doing this uh, player spotlight series today. I only have like a couple more players anyway. But we won't be doing that today. Just all Padres D-backs talk today. But first, if your company is interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want to reach men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, our rate to the most reasonable around. Email me at lockedondiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out. Here is that conversation between me and Javi, host of the Locked On Padres podcast. So we got Javi here, host of the Locked On Padres. So Javi. Looking at baseball reference, it looks like Fernando Tatis was the only player to crack 270 in terms of batting average. He batted over 300, so the only guy to bat uh, at least 270 for the Padres. So what do you think the Padres need to do in 2020 to uh, set themselves up to have a shot at making the playoffs? Well, see, you kind of you made a good point there about the batting average. Here's the thing. my One of my biggest, like, to simplify it, pitches to people is that I feel like almost in every category last year, the Padres really underperformed. And if you take that into account, plus you take into account how much of the team has been expanded, how much they've improved in basically every area. It's just, that's usually what qualifies for a bounce back. I'm not guaranteeing it. Of course, you never know. Things could go wrong. Things have literally gone wrong in the world itself. Of course, not to make light of it, but I think, I think that, they have a great bullpen. I think that Machado is going to have a really great bounce back season. And Tatis, who, like you mentioned, the only guy above 270, he's now hopefully going to play for like a whole season, assuming he stays healthy. He did what he did last year in only a limited amount of time. So you can only imagine what his potential ceiling is in terms of a whole full season. Of course, assuming whatever happens with the schedule and whatnot. Yeah, like what you're saying, I don't know if a bounce back's in store, but so many of their so many of their players underperformed last season. It's almost hard not to improve. Like there's really no place to go but up for a lot of their players just because they performed so bad last year, I want to say. And then also their pitching struggled some, you know. I'm also <laughs> still on baseball reference, look at their team pitching. Looks like they only had one like everyday starter who pitched like below a four in terms of ERA. So definitely something to work on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Joey Lucchese was the opening day starter. Won't be the case this year. So uh, no offense to Joey Lucchese, who's, I think, an okay, like, back-of-the-rotation type of guy. 
they also have Zach Davies now, who is another okay back of the rotation guy. Oh, the, the lack of strikeouts is a little alarming sometimes. It's guys like Mark Burley. Um, but with Chris Paddock being the true ace now and a guys like Denelson Lamette coming back, I think that uh, people are sleeping on the rotation just not being uh, a complete liability. I think it's still not going to be super strong because I don't think the depth is there. I think Paddock's going to be on an innings limit, but I definitely think it can be solid and it won't be something that completely hampers them the whole way. Yeah, I kind of view the Padres like the Yankees of a few seasons ago, uh, just because I think if they could get it to the sixth inning, that's where their biggest strength is once they could hand the, the ball over to their bullpen. I don't have too much confidence in their starting line, uh, in their in their rotation. And then in terms of starting lineup, I feel like it's pretty boomer bust. I feel like they rely on the long ball a little bit too much. So I think uh, they're, they're a boomer bust team as a whole, and we'll see what 2020, uh, what kind of fortune brings them. The Padres are one of those teams. Whoops. Whoopsies. Played something from my phone there for a sec. Uh, <laughs> um, gosh, I hate when my friends message me. Anyway, uh, yeah, but I mean, it, it's a good point. There's, I'm really confident in the Padres, but it's not like, they're not a team where if they won like 75 games that it would totally shock me. I mean, if this isn't like a proven team to a lot of extent, and a lot of their potential how they make a world series run it's really about the future and with guys like Mackenzie gore the best pitching prospect in all of baseball who's probably not going to come up until later in the year and assuming best case scenario would be great i would love if he comes up and is automatically a super stud like pitcher but there's no guarantee in that especially i think with pitching sometimes it could take a little bit of time so we'll just have to see how that plays out yeah, where do you see the Padres finishing in 2020? Can you see them claiming one of those two wild card spots, or do you think they'll fall just short of missing the playoffs? So I actually said this in the Lockdown MLB podcast, the season previews for my man Sully that are probably going to go up sometime this week. But to give a mm-hmm. little preview of that, I'm expecting – I really feel like this is a post-type sleeper team, and I think that while it's more about building for the future – I just think that they're not going to be a pushover. I think that that's my baseline prediction. They were really a big pushover last year, except for moments towards the end of the stretch against the Dodgers. They played a little bit better against the Dodgers, especially Machado. And, you know, they got rid of people like, um, um, I forgot his name. <laughs> I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Hunter Renfro. There we go. Um, okay. They lost Hunter Renfro, but Hunter Renfro was – a little bit bad against like lefties. He didn't have some good lefty splits and they essentially replaced him with Tommy Pham, who's incredible against lefties and just an overall, like kind of stud underrated, like top 10 ish outfielder in my opinion. So I'm really curious to see how the outfield plays out, even with the acquisition of Tommy Pham, they still have a little bit of problems there, but I think that's the best case scenario is that they're just not going to push over maybe a wild card contender, but overall, I also think that they're going to be quite exciting, actually. I don't think people are really realizing that Padres really have a bright future ahead of them. It's not just a Machado, a Machado team, you know? Definitely think the Padres are not a team that's on a lot of people's radars. Uh, they've just been underperforming for so many years. They're, they're just not a team that gets talked about a lot in the national spotlight. Then they don't really have a lot of accomplishments under their belt as a as a franchise as a whole. So it makes sense why uh, they don't necessarily get the love and admiration from the rest of the, the country and media. And I'm not too sure myself 
uh, how good they'll be in 2020. We'll see. I think they'll be solid probably between 75 and 80 games, but we'll see how good they are as a whole. We'll be right back with more continued conversation between Javi and I after this quick message. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that the Locked On Diamondbacks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Diamondback fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Diamondback fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Just text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. Let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back. You're listening to Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Here's that continued talk between me and the Locked On Padres host, Javi. So, Javi, the Padres signed Manny Machado to that 10-year, $300 million contract last offseason. He had a so-so year, batted over 30 bombs, but only hit about 260. So just not for next season, but for pretty much the overall length of his contract, can you see Manny Machado living up to that $300 million billing that the Padres gave him? Because whom much is given, much is expected. So that's tricky because honestly, if you just look at the track record in baseball on how much players end up living up to big contracts like that, I feel like it's really small. I mean, the only one I can really think of right now that's probably probably going to live up to it is someone like Mike Trout but it's just it it happens you know what I mean so it's I don't want to say that he's going to live up to that contract but I think he's going to live up to his potential I mean this is Machado like he's had his moments of people getting a little bit upset with him and I think there's a little bit of a bias towards him sometimes just because of his like on-field stuff but a lot of the on-field stuff is from like a while ago and it's really not that big of a deal and when he's playing correctly and he's playing third base particularly, I mean, at least defensively, I think he's like a Hall of Fame defensive third baseman sometimes. I mean, not all the time, but I really think that at his peak, he can be that. I mean, he's one of those guys, you just watch him get the ball and he's just lollygagging, throwing a first base. Not lollygagging, that's not a right word to use, but just taking his time because he can. From third base, he throws the ball to first base the way I throw like my clothes in the hamper at night. Like that's how easily... He can he can make that um, pitch across the diamond, and I'm really expecting a, a 35, 36 homer season. I think he can get that average up to like 280. I think he can improve the walk rate too. I'm expecting what he did a couple years ago when he was a borderline offensive MVP guy, and I think that just because he had one kind of stumble of a season isn't too much of a reason to overreact. I know that you know when you're getting ten year contract, you're expecting that first year to be great, but sometimes. Sometimes it takes time, and he's still only 27 years old. The Manny Machado bandwagon 
I talked about this on an earlier episode, actually, the podcast. I think it was the first week I did, actually, where MLB did like their top 100, and he moved down to 59 from 14 last year. Look, I get that he should move down based off of last season, but 59? Really? You're telling me you still want to have 58 other players in the league after one down-ish year than Manny Machado? I'm I'm not buying into that. I think that it's a bunch of baloney. So that's my take on that. Just ranting a little bit about the the Manny Machado disrespect that's going on in the league. Yeah, looking at that uh, ESPN Top 100 right now, Javi, I didn't even realize Cattell Marte at 44, then Manny Machado at that spot you had. I didn't realize Cattell Marte was getting so much respect around the league. I think just I think that tells you how good Cattell Marte is how much of a rise he had the last couple of seasons. Now, I think it also tells you how much, uh, you know, Machado fell off the radar by going to the the Padres, you know. Padres are not a team that's in the national spotlight, like I said before, a lot. Then the fact that he had a little bit of a down season by his standards, uh, it just made him fall off the map a little bit. But I still think he's one of the premier third basemen in the league. I'll still take him pretty much over any guy not named Nolan Arenado or like Alex Bregman. So I think the Padres are going to be fine with Manny Machado. I think he'll probably have a bounce back season 2020. But of course, over the long term of that contract, it probably won't work out for the Padres. It's mostly just the way the the pay structure works in baseball. I mean, you start your first few seasons in the minors, and then you make it to the major league level, and you still have to go through arbitration. So you're not getting that contract you want until you're like 28, 29, 30 years of age. And then by that point, you're going to want your first big contract to be an 8 to 10-year deal. And then there's no chance you're going to be a a productive player on the back end of that deal the last two to three years of the deal. Because if you look at, like you said, you said uh, Mike Trout's probably a guy who will perform to the standard of his contract. But his teammate, Albert Pujols, is on one of the worst contracts in the MLB. And it's definitely an albatross of a contract. It's not the worst one in the league. I'm trying to. I'm blanking right now on the worst contract. I mean, Eric Hosmer, just to throw one out there, he's that one is quite bad right now. But you're right. I mean, with the arbitration thing, man, it's just it's a mess. I actually, what's funny is like when the Machado and Harper free agency summer happens, it was like a lot of teams were playing chicken. I don't like they were gonna. Okay, this is the stand. They're, we're not doing this anymore. And then they both ended up getting enormous contracts. So I don't know why it took them three months to do that and then the next year we have what's his face getting signs pretty much immediately Garrett Cole like this was a fast offseason like in terms of actually the best players signing quickly and then when the Machado thing happened it was like why am I about to finish my junior year of college and Machado still hasn't signed yet but anyway that's just all that's all another conversation entirely yeah, it feels like executives want to stop giving away those long-term contracts, at least for those middle-tier middle, middle tier players. I think those elite of the elite guys like a Bryce Harper or Manny Machado, I think whenever those kind of guys, box office kind of guys, when they hit the market, they'll still garner those big 8- to 10-year contracts where they can make you know upwards of $300 million. I think where teams are going to start getting more cautious is guys with like uh, Eric Hosmer. I think that kind of contract will be a pretty big albatross just because I don't think he's enough of a, more, a force multiplier. I don't think he does too many things great to to garner a contract like that. It's the same with guys like Dallas Keuchel, why he wasn't able to sign a long-term deal. I am surprised Craig Kimbrell didn't get one, but it could be just because he's a closer and he's not getting the ball a ton. 
But, Javi, how do you think the Padres uh, compare to the rest of the NOS? Everyone probably has the Dodgers as the odds-on favorite to win it. But how do you think the Padres' starting lineup and rotation compare to the, the rest of the NOS? So, I think this is actually one of the better cases to be made for why the Padres could be good. Obviously, the Dodgers are probably the front runner, and I don't see that really changing. Um, the only way I could see that changing is... I actually was was talking to Jeff Snyder, who's the Lockdown Dodgers host. He actually brought up a good point where it's like the, potentially with the the virus and everything that's been happening, like we might get a shorter season, and that might mean what if certain teams start out slow? What if it's it might maybe maybe make things a little bit more I don't want to say interesting, but a little bit more like anybody could get hot at the right moment. You know, what I mean, there's less games. And certain teams are designed for a certain amount of time. That's how analytics and stuff work, I guess. And you never know if maybe the Padres start out a little bit more hot. The Dodgers take some time. Maybe guys like Clayton Kershaw, you know, start regressing a little bit. And maybe Walker Bueller regresses for some reason. Do I think that's going to happen, especially with the latter of the two, with Bueller? No. But I think that I'm confident that I really think the D-backs and Padres are fairly equal in a lot of ways. I think we talked about this a few weeks ago where I think that the Padres' best players are at best, like better than the Diamondbacks' best players. But I think overall, like that offense is actually quite vicious when you look at it. It could be really interesting. And I think that there's just more, I don't want to say more for sure, but there's more, um, what's the word? More of a safety net, more of a a higher um, floor with their pitching staff, I think. And okay. then, but the, the counter to that, of course, is that the Padres, I think, have the advantage of bullpen. So it's it's really interesting. But I do think that the the thing I'm very, very confident is Giants are rebuilding. They're not going to be a problem. I mean, their best offensive player is a guy who got heated up. That was Jastrzemski or whatever his name is. <laughs> I'm blanking on his name right now. Who got hot basically over the last like month and a half of the season. And guys like, I'm not scared of Jeff Shamarza. Like, come on. Like, they're going to win, like, 70 games at best. They're a rebuilding team. And then the Rockies, while they can have their moments offensively with guys like Arenado and Charlie Blackman, I mean, they haven't had a good pitcher since, I don't know, World War II era. So <laughs> so I'm not really afraid of the Rockies. And and another thing is they might even trade Nolan Arenado. I mean, did you see those comments he made? Like, I think it was, like, a few months ago. Like, he just raged. Like, he had, like, a me playing Call of Duty when I start out 1-7. in seven. Like, he raged on the general manager a few months ago. And that's usually not a good sign in terms of his potential playing prospects. So, if Arenado's traded, then I could see them being in a similar situation. Like, maybe not totally similar, but, like, the Giants, where they're just a, a bottom team. So, the only teams that I'd be afraid of are the Dodgers, for obvious reasons, and the Diamondbacks are, I think, really a great equal for the Padres, and I think that right now they have to give them the benefit of the doubt, but still, I think that's where the race could be headed towards. Yeah, for me personally, I'm going to have to probably pick the D-backs as the number two team to come out the NL West, and I think I'll probably go Rockies, Padres, Giants. I think pretty much all the teams after the Dodgers are pretty close in terms of talent. I don't think there's a lot of disparity in those teams. I think maybe the D-backs have arguably the best rotation and uh, long ball hitters. I think the Rockies have the best players probably in a series with Nolan Arenado and guys like that. I would probably say the Padres, or I mean, you could make an argument for Machado over Arenado, but I'll say the Padres probably have the best back end of the bullpen. I, I like their 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 eight nine guys, you know, 
their eighth and ninth inning relievers. So I'll say the Padres there. And I think the Giants are probably last in the division. I think they just have the least amount of talent on the team, especially losing franchise setter and Madison Bumgarner to the D-backs. I think uh, it'll just really hurt their overall team chemistry, their their box office appeal, and I think it'll lead to less wins on the field. So if I had to rank it, Dodgers, D-backs, Rockies, Padres, and then Giants, most likely. That's all for today's edition of the Locked On Diamondbacks. Thank you to everyone who tuned in today. Go tell your Alexa device to play the newest episode of the Locked On NFL Draft so you guys can stay up to date with that. And then tune back in tomorrow where I'll be continuing the crossover edition. I'll have another Locked On host from the NL West. So you guys are going to want to come back in tomorrow to hear that conversation. And everyone stay safe and healthy out there. Peace.